and welcome to the Miles to Go Drug Education Radio Show, where the drug guys tell all to simplify a complex subject. On this show, we report the news about prevention research, parenting, pop culture, and education, all to raise healthy, happy, well-rounded kids. This is Kelly, and I'm the director of Miles to Go. Today, we are going to start with some of my favorite stories that have come out this past holiday season and current news. The first story up that I want to cover is gummy bears soaked in alcohol. This, while a very exciting headline to read, has become kind of scary. And so that's why it's become my top story. One of the new trends that's going on around the country, and this seems to be isolated in the Northeast right now, although we are seeing it quickly move across the country to the Midwest, we have not seen very much of this in the West yet, is that kids are soaking gummy bears in alcohol, usually vodka, and what they do is they keep them overnight, soak them so that they the alcohol completely infuses into the uh, gummy bears, By the time they get up the next day, they are soaked in. There is very little odor because the sugar covers the odor apparently. And they look exactly the same as a regular gummy bear. So what ends up happening is they can take them to school, they can take them to events, to parties, pass them around as if they are gummy bears, put them in a bowl and take handfuls of them, and they're getting drunk. Uh, Very, very dangerous. First of all, there is obviously no way of watching how much any child is ingesting. We've got a real serious problem with kids and alcohol poisoning these days uh, because, again, the liver is not fully developed yet. It's not ready to process that much alcohol. And what's ending up happening also is that they can get into dangerous situations at various events where there's no supervision. So a real, real uh, problem. I I can see how this would be fun at a you know college event at at a party where people are of age and looking for something fun to do however for kids this is really dangerous one of the other problems is is that anybody over 21 who is actually put, making these gummy bears can then leave them in a position where kids can grab them not realizing they're dosed with alcohol so we could end up seeing some really serious problems uh, apparently they are already seeing this in the northeast we'll be doing some follow-up talking about this over the next couple of months but it is something that we want to put a parent warning out what's even scarier is is that they're just doing a quick search on the internet you can find a million how-tos on the subject right off the bat The next story that I want to cover today is that there was a big news report that came out from the CDC that says that 38 million Americans are binge drinkers, most of them ages 18 to 34. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention says that while binge drinking is more common among young young adults, those uh, age 65 and older who are binge drinking do so more often averaging five to six times per month. We are seeing a new trend that we've never seen before based from all of our people who are turning in the later time of life from the 60s and the 70s who have carried forward many of their habits of partying that they never gave up. So we are trending towards older ages ending up in rehab very unexpectedly. So unfortunately, it's also causing more health concerns because of the damage that's going on to the human body as their human body declines and they are still partying like they're 20. 
So I think we're going to see quite a bit more of this type of research over the next probably two decades. Unfortunately, it could have a very, very high cost on not only human beings, but also in our healthcare industry. Binge drinking, according to the CDC, is responsible for more than half of the 80,000 alcohol-related deaths each year in the United States, and also accounts for three-fourths of the more than $200 billion in costs from alcohol abuse. So as I said before, I think over the next couple of decades, we are going to really see an increase in this problem and a lot more reporting on it. The CDC director says that binge drinking causes a wide range of health, social, and economic problems, and this report confirms the problem is really widespread. We need to work together to implement proven measures to reduce binge drinking at a national, state, and community level. Well, and I'm adding to that, apparently we need to really seriously look at the elderly and keep keep an eye on our grandparents. They say that it is common more among people whose household incomes range $75,000 or more. However, binge drinkers with household incomes of less than $25,000 have the largest number of drinks per sitting, an average of eight to nine drinks. That's uh, pretty serious since binge drinking is considered to be five or more drinks for men in one sitting. Now, as we talk about what's happening in America... Germany is reporting that they are experiencing what they call the stoned grandparent phenomenon. They are showing that he's concerned that older people who are already on medications are now combining illegal drug use along with alcohol. So they have started a public campaign hoping that they can nip this in the bud. Very interesting story. So we're not just seeing it in the United States. It's We're really seeing the effect of the 1960s and 1970s come to reality. The next thing I wanted to talk about was that we instituted a Miles to Go several years ago, something called the Athletes Challenge. We asked people to take the Athletes Challenge. You can find that on our website at milestogodrugeducation.com and then go to the Athletes Challenge page. It's no secret that we are absolute Olympic fans. Jonathan and I are, are such big fans. We've become a little bit obsessed about what is going on with international doping laws and what other groups are doing about doping. So as we see the Olympics coming along in less than 200 days, we're happy to say the Summer Olympics coming back uh, to London this year, that we will most likely be hearing many, many, many stories about doping and anti-doping campaigns. The Athletes Challenge is something where we asked coaches and sporting groups to please take the Athletes Challenge to compete fairly without using drugs. And we've asked them to take a pledge that says that they will promise to avoid all drug abuse, not just those to enhance the ability to compete. So over the coming years, we are going to keep asking, uh, especially coaches, to watch what they are asking of their kids. I cannot tell you how often we hear stories coming out about high school coaches either providing for or uh, requiring, requesting their athletes to take supplements that are extremely unhealthy. And that can include any kind of supplement. They, they really need to be more aware of what they're asking their, their students to do. Thinking something is healthy today, we may find out the science about it tomorrow that it's not so healthy, just as we did with so many of the energy drinks. 
This week, the Association of Surfing Professionals has implemented a new policy and they are going to join the anti-doping program. They are asking that surfers compete with professionalism and they want to send a message to kids who look up to our surfers as great role models. They will be providing a, an anti-doping list and they are asking all of their men and women of the surfing community to please compete fairly. If you have a story that you have seen that would be po- a positive story for our Athletes Challenge page, don't hesitate to send it to us. You can send it to us at podcast at milestogodrugeducation.com. So next on our list today for this podcast, I wanted to talk about the two books that we put out and the book chats that we've been doing. Our Books that we have published so far, Jonathan and I started with our Not All Kids Do Drugs, Proactive Parenting, and that was our first in a series of lessons of of drug prevention education. That was handbook one. We never wanted to publish a long series of books because we just didn't think anybody would really be sitting down and reading a novel about drug education. So instead what we've done is we've put out a series of handbooks. We've got two completed and two more are coming in the next year. Our second one is the mother's checklist of drug prevention, all the little things we say and do. With that, what we've done is we've started a series of book chats on Twitter. You can get involved either on Twitter or Facebook. If you go to our website at milestogodrugeducation.com, you can go to our Mother's Checklist page. If you scroll down just a little bit on the left in the white box, there are book chats, and you'll see the book chat schedule, the book chat one, book chat two, book chat three, and you can see what we've been talking about in these book chats. I'm going to explain briefly how we do it. When it takes place on Twitter, for those of you who have never been on Twitter, it's twitter.com. You go on and create a username and a password. It is free. You do not need to pay anything for this account. Then what you do is you start searching for anybody who you would like to follow under who to follow. We are located at Miles to Go Drug Ed, which actually looks like Miles to Go Drugged, but it's uh, meant to be Miles to Go Drug Drug Ed. When we announce a book chat, then what you can do is you can sign on at that time, and what we will do is we will very quickly post probably about 70 to 100 postings about one specific subject, you can join in on the chat either on LinkedIn or on Facebook with us. You can find that on our homepage at our website. You can also respond via Twitter. And what you do is you just uh, hit the reply and that will send us a message. Uh, Often with Twitter, it does jam up a little bit sometimes, and so I don't see the replies right away, uh, although I'm constantly checking while we're doing the book chat. It's like getting a lecture over Twitter, only it's only 140 characters at a time. So it, it happens quickly, and you can respond, you can retweet, you can get involved, you can ask questions, you can simultaneously go on Facebook or LinkedIn and see what we're doing. On Facebook, I think you have a little bit better chance of responding, although Facebook tends to jam up also. I, I'll notice that sometimes when I'm on Twitter, I'll go, I'll jump over and check Facebook and I noticed that it stopped after about the first five tweets so so they do jam up there are technical difficulties 
Eventually, what we would like to do is start a board on our website where people can get involved and they can talk in real time. So uh, I've seen several boards do that where it's very, very successful and we're hoping to uh, implement that in this next year. So we look forward to doing that. Uh, if you'd like to read the book chats that we've done so far, you can see that on our Mother's Checklist page. Our last thing that we'd like to do today in this podcast is our listener questions. So our first listener question is, I'm a recovering addict. When do I tell my young children about their family history? Well, this is a question that comes up a lot for us. It's one that we get very, very often, so it seems appropriate to make it our first podcast listener question. When you hear that question and it says, I'm a recovering addict, think about if the question said, in my family, we have a recovering addict, or my husband is a recovering addict. My kid's grandma is a recovering addict. And that does not matter whether it's an alcoholic, whether that person was addicted to cocaine. It doesn't matter. It's that an addict is an addict. And if they're in recovery, then what's happening is, is that the kids are growing up not usually seeing that parent as a using person or a using drug user. What ends up happening is, is that we start not talking about it. We forget about it. We forget that it ever happened. And we want to shelter our kids from any bad news. Here's the problem. If you don't tell your kids the truth, then they grow up without the knowledge of their own genetics. If you had breast cancer or skin cancer that ran in your family, you would tell your kids. It's really important that there is no shame associated with being an addict, with being an, a recovering alcoholic. What's important is, is that you help your kids to understand what they have in their family history. It'll help them to understand, not that it is predetermined that they are going to be an addict, but that it does run in families and that that is an important piece of their picture of their puzzle of what they need to know. So the question that we get all the time, and we answered this extensively in the Mother's Checklist of Drug Prevention, is when do I tell my children about their family history? You can start earlier than you think, actually. You can start at a pretty young age to start talking about drug education and drug prevention. At a very early age, you can start talking about characters in movies. For example, Cruella DeVille. Cruella DeVille smokes cigarettes. She's famous for it. She's famous for the fancy cigarette holder. That's a great place to start. It's a great place to start when you see people smoking on the street. It's a great place to start when you see ads or billboards talking about smoking. So all of those are places that you can begin at age three and four when you start talking about their body, how smoking is bad for the lungs and bad for the heart and bad for the nose and it smells bad and it's bad for the fingernails. Those kinds of things they can understand. So you can start very early. You don't want to tell them too much. We always say don't over answer with this question. If your kids are asking you about what the family history is, or if you're starting the subject off cold, don't give them too much information. You want this to be an ongoing conversation for life, not just a one-time talk. The old-fashioned concept of the drug talk needs to just fly out the window and never be heard from again. So you want to be age-appropriate, 
Remember that what you tell a four-year-old is not what you would tell a 12-year-old and vice versa. Um, each year they can get a little bit more information. They don't need to get a drug-a-log or a drunk-a-log. What they need to know is it's bad for the body. What we did in our family since Jonathan is a recovering alcoholic and recovering drug addict, we started at a very young age and said, uh, Daddy doesn't have a glass of champagne on New Year's Eve or during holidays because it's not good for his body. And that's it. That's all you need to say. You can start very, very simply. Each year, our daughter learned a little bit more and a little bit more. And she still doesn't know everything. And she doesn't need to know everything today, tomorrow, or next year. But as she grows up, each year we keep the conversation going. Now, of course, our child grows up in a home of drug prevention specialists. So obviously, our child's going to be a little bit more educated than others. But that doesn't mean we have to tell her everything all the first year. So be age appropriate. Don't lie. Be honest about your family history and just use language that is positive and proactive and say why you you want them to be drug free. I care about you. I love you. I don't want you to make the same mistakes mommy made and that's why we're talking about this. You don't need to give them everything but tell them how you feel about it. Use I statements. You want to continue to look for opportunities in the future anytime that you have an opportunity if it's a tv show a book a movie if you see something happen in real life if there's something with on the news take that opportunity to continue the conversation so you want it to be so that it's a conversation that's ongoing never a lecture and the last thing is is to educate yourself a little bit every day there's all kinds of ways to be informed about drugs and about um, addiction. There are many, many websites. You can go on our website at any time and check our links page. We keep also a drug fact update page, a blog. We, we keep a page for parents. We also, every single day on Twitter, we update nonstop news and research and facts about the whole entire subject of brain and behavior and education and drugs. Also on our other Twitter page, which is the Mother's Checklist page, that's where we really focus on parenting. So that's in there too. So I hope all this was helpful for you today. Uh, that's our first podcast for the news and stories and book chats. We're going to continue these conversations. I've got quite a few guests to come on board uh, over the next couple of months. And also Jonathan will be joining me. He has an enormous amount of stories that he has backed up. And he's got a lot of podcasting to come. So I thank you for listening. You can find us at uh, milestogodrugeducation.com or you can email us at podcast at milestogodrugeducation.com. Thanks so much. Thank you.